you know, we we hear a lot about how life is not about what we get, it's about what we give. And I think that's the greatest gift that we can give to other people is to love them exactly as they are, is to is is to turn ourselves into a safe space where others get to know that no matter who they are, where they're at, that they get to be here, that they get to belong exactly as they are. Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox. And I'm your host, Lindsay Nobles. Today on the Living Centered Podcast, Lindsay and I get to talk to my friend, Ryan Weiss. Ryan is one of those rare people who has dedicated his life to creating safe spaces, both professionally and personally, for others to grow in connection with themselves, each other, and the world around them. I love how Ryan describes himself on his website as a guy who people turn to when they feel stuck, lost, depressed, anxious, and fed up, and when they yearn to feel happy, alive, inspired, safe, but can't quite seem to find their way. I can validate that through his coaching, his new wellness challenges, his daily morning emails that reach thousands of people, the corporate and wellness retreats he does, Ryan just, he does a great job at breaking down the spiritual and psychological tools we all need to thrive in what can be a sometimes daunting and complicated world. So if your world is feeling a little complex right now, if you're feeling a little off balance, then I think this interview, this authentic invitation to pursue the wholeness we all deserve from Ryan, I believe you'll find really beneficial and insightful. And I can't wait for you to meet my friend, Ryan. We're excited to have you here today. And thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah. So I'd love for our audience to get to know you a little bit. And you're kind of a coach to people who have pub, very public professions. It's not all the, the only group of people you coach, but you certainly uh, coach a lot of people in that world. And uh, I would imagine, you know, and I, you and I share that, I, I've gotten the calls the, the day after somebody won a Grammy Award, and it was what they dreamed about since they were a little girl. And they were then, you know, kind of now what? Kind of let down by the biggest career accolade you could possibly get. I bet you've seen that a lot. Yeah. So from your unique seat in working with people that have accomplished a lot, but maybe not feeling fulfilled, what might you share with us about all of us that can relate to that? Yeah. There's one thing as you're speaking, Miles, that comes to mind, which is something that actually my experience at Onsite gave me words for. That was something that I think I was always doing just out of maybe it was just inherent uh, in trying to help people. But y'all gave me words for it, which was the recognition of what people need to actually heal. And that what people need to actually heal is a safe space to share their story and to share their feelings and to share their pain. And that they need a listening ear to validate their emotional experience not to change them, not to fix them, but to help them to feel the experience that the space around them loves them and holds them exactly as they are. And that was something that I needed as a young kid that I didn't get and that I know that 
very few of us got. Unless we truly had enlightened masters for parents, I don't know that any real human, any human beings really got the, the depth of nurturing that we needed to help us learn that we get to be loved exactly as we are with our pain, with our shame, with our doubt, with our fear, with our addictions. Uh, with our shadows, with our darkness, with our judgment, with our criticism, all of us. And I think in terms of really for myself wanting to feel that I matter, I think being able to provide that space for people is my greatest privilege and brings me to life in a way that nothing else does. And so you know, we, we hear a lot about how life is not about what we get, it's about what we give. And I think that's the greatest gift that we can give to other people, is to love them exactly as they are, is to, is, is to turn ourselves into a safe space where others get to know that no matter who they are, where they're at, that they get to be here, that they get to belong exactly as they are moving this into this conversation around people in the public eye, celebrity, almost like superhuman experience, we tend to forget that these are also human beings. And if nothing else, the fact that we have people in this world who live in such a heightened way, whether it's they have so much access or so much money or so much privilege, these people have so much of the things that we're taught make us happy. Right? We're taught from the moment that we're born that it's our job in life to build ourselves, to build our intelligence, to build our capabilities so that we can go out there and make the money so that we can have the house, so that we can build this stuff so that we can be happy in the future. And we have an economy that's rooted in the belief system. It's, it's, it's literally promoted to us like 3,500 times a day. Every ad we see that says, when you can get this, then you can be happy. Then you can feel like you're enough. Then you can feel like you're deserving of love and belonging. And one of the gifts of getting to work with people who, quote, have all the stuff is the recognition that that stuff, it's not enough to take from them their basic human needs which are to be seen as they are, held as they are, loved as they are. You know, in a way, we all experience this. It's just I think that people in the public eye experience it in a bigger way where there's only room for them to be perfect, to look perfect, to have the perfect makeup on their face and the perfect photo with the perfect smile, with the perfect song, with the perfect Grammy Award. They have to be, they have to uphold this image of perfection and therefore learn that there's no space for them to be a human being with doubts and needs and, and sadness and anger and resentment and jealousy and all the things that are totally a part of our human experience. And so the gift that I've gotten to have, and I think one of the reasons that people in the public eye kind of build a trust with me and, and with you. I see it with you as well. I, I've sent my own people. We've had a lot of crossover of people that I've worked with that I when, when I say, hey, if you want to get the most out of my work, I really am going to encourage you to start by spending a week at onsite and so that we have a real grounded sense of what we're working on here is that I think the trust is established when the minute a human says, 
this is what I'm struggling with. Mm. And I can say to them, please tell me more about that. Mm. And it's not even just about what I say. It's about holding the space of you get to be all of you. Please don't show, you know, I think about actually, Miles, you know, my fiance, Ori. Mm. When we started dating, uh, about three months into our relationship, Ori said to me, I'm not trying to date waking up with Ryan. Mm. I said, what do you mean? He said, I feel like you just show me this glossy, perfect, I've got it all together. I have no problems version of yourself. And it's not interesting to me. That might be interesting to the people who follow you and pay attention to you, but I can't date waking up with Ryan. I need to be in a relationship with Ryan. I need to be able to know your pain and your hurt and your sadness and your, and I remember we were sitting in the car and I felt so much anger rise up in that moment of like, you clearly don't know me. This is who I truly am. Like that ego part of me was like resisting the idea that I would have to be vulnerable in this relationship was resisting the idea. Cause I, in my core, I had a belief that said, I cannot be loved unless I am perfect. And in that moment, thank God for the work that I had been doing for 10 years before that on myself to be able to watch myself in that moment. Because that could have been the ending of the relationship. (laughs) Being seen that much and being so afraid that I was going to be seen with my wounds, with my addictions, with my avoidance with my judgment, my, all my stuff, all my pain could have been the moment that I said, Hey, we, this has gotten too close and I need to cut it off. Mm. And because of the work, I was able to watch myself in this moment. And this really, they say that still small voice within whispered, this is how, you know, this is your person because he actually wants to see and know all of you. And that's what I hope to provide for every, not just the people who pay me for coaching, but for my friends, my family. It's the hardest to do with my family members. I want to change my family members. I want to coach my family members. I want to tell them about how wrong they are and how they shouldn't eat this and shouldn't do that. And and it's like this constant practice of how can I love you? as you are? How can I help you feel safe and loved exactly as you are without needing to change anything? I love what you're talking about, like the the idea that sort of celebrity culture sort of creates this false narrative that we can't be fully human, and then translating it to you and the work that you do. And it's really a human issue that we all sort of I've worked in the face space. And that narrative is so prevalent there that we have to start like, not being real and start being just a shadow of ourselves for people to respect us and sort of dismantling that lie and the power that that's had over you and your story is so powerful. Yeah. You know, I was thinking this morning because we, I knew we were getting on, on this, on this podcast recording today. And I think a lot about, because I mentioned, I come into this conversation really rooted in my spiritual studies and in the wisdom traditions and I, Miles, I've shared this with you that when I came to OnSite, 
I saw, and actually A Course in Miracles says, there's a sentence in A Course in Miracles that says, religion and therapy in their highest good are the same thing. And I've always been intrigued by that because in the past with therapy, I didn't experience, I didn't experience that. And in the past with religion, I didn't experience that. And then I came to onsite having really feel like I delved into the highest forms of spirituality, like the truest teachings, uh, the, the most incredible impact it had had on my life. And I walked into onsite and it was there that I learned, ah, the work that you're doing here the trauma-informed work, the experiential work, this is the highest good of therapy. And it's a blend. It's a real blend of spirituality. And, and I was thinking about why is that? What is it about it? And I was thinking about this morning how the world of spirituality teaches that we are born into this world with this ego described or defined, the ego defined as a belief a belief that I am separate from my creator. That the ego is a belief that I am separate from my creator and therefore separate from all of life and separate from the support system that's here for me. Therefore, I believe that I'm not supported, that I'm not loved, that I'm all alone. And that's scary. And from there, my entire thought system develops. Well, okay, so then I was thinking, how does this relate to trauma? And I realized, Oh, so we're born into this world with this thing called an ego that believes I'm separate from my source and unsupported. And then all of my trauma reinforces that belief. Mm. Trauma just keeps reminding me, see, you're not loved as you are. You're not supported as you are. You have to prove yourself to be worthy of love. You're not worthy of love exactly as you are. Every time I'm not nurtured, it reinforces and, re and builds this egoic or separate thought system. Mm. And uh, I had a moment of, oh, if God is always loving me, always breathing me, always feeding me, I could make any mistake in the world and the earth is still here supporting me. And breath is still here breathing me. Meaning that if God is always loving me, no matter what, no matter what, that trauma comes from all the ways that people treat me that are out of alignment with the way that God treats me. Mm. Meaning if God is always loving me, no matter what trauma is all the ways that I've been treated with conditional love. Meaning I'm only loved when God is saying you're always loved when trauma is saying you're only loved when. And this to me is this common thread between the trauma informed, like what I always say to people on the spiritual path is you cannot fully heal yourself just through the meditation and the mindfulness and the prayer. That's all necessary. And that's my shtick. That's my work. You got to also do the trauma informed work because it's the trauma informed work. It's the trauma that has layered upon layer upon layer upon layer reinforced your imagined sense of self that's not true you gotta dig into that work Ooh, that's good stuff hey friends did you know that we have an online store curated with some of our favorite emotional wellness resources gifts books and apparel you don't have to come to tennessee to bring a little piece of onsite home to you 
Check out our collection of goods at onsiteworkshops.com slash store and use the code podcast at the checkout for 20% off your entire order. In this season of disconnection, fragmentation, there's a lot of hopelessness, a lot of discouragement, a lot of us and them. I think everybody's responding a little differently how they're showing up interpersonally, relationally, and then also what they're hoping to put out in the world. You recently have put something out into the world that I assume is part motivated in response to help realign and reconnect um, ourselves and other people around us. And uh, it's called the Sanctuary Challenge, which I think is so cool. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that before we kind of wrap up. And you know, I know a lot of it's rooted in self-care, so I want to hear your thoughts around self-care uh, and why you think it's so important and maybe missing so much right now. Yeah. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I was noticing a major uprising in anxiety levels. I think we were all noticing that. And one of the ideas that I've been playing with in my work with people and in just studying and trying to help myself is the notion that anxiety, now I recognize I'm talking to people who may know more about this than me. This is the idea that I play with. What if anxiety isn't a feeling? What if anxiety is actually a byproduct? It's an experience. It's what happens inside of our bodies when we don't feel our feelings. So my experience with anxiety is we're living in a world, whether it's the pandemic or a rising up of social, social injustice, uh, living through a despotic regime, living in a country where 12,000 kids a day are starving, living in a country where people are $400 away, they're one medical bill away from bankruptcy. There's so many triggers and so much injustice and so much pain and so much strife and there's constant triggers. There's constant uh, uh, um, stressors that activate us. And my experience is, is that as soon as we get activated by a trigger, by a problem, that we are a, a society of emotionally avoidant people who don't know how to feel the explosion of emotion that happens inside of our body as a result of that trigger and as a result of a lifetime of unprocessed trauma. And because we don't know how to feel our feelings, we jump up into our heads, into our thoughts, and we go into a process of unconscious emotional avoidance. Why is this happening to me? I wish this wasn't happening to me. What do I need to do to change this? And we spin in a vortex of thought that is so overwhelming, thinking that we're finding a solution but just on that hamster wheel, just running, getting nowhere. When meanwhile, what we really need is a process of emotional connection and processing to, to dive into our bodies and get out of our head and go into our body and feel the presence of what's here and notice and recognize what's happening in our body and start to create some safe space for the emotion that's rising up. But because we don't know how to do this and we go up into our heads, when we go up into our heads, it doesn't mean that there's not an explosion of emotion that's happening inside of our body. When we go up into our heads, that explosion is still happening. But because we are thinking, we put a, we put a lid. We, it's like we tamper down, we push down these emotions that are rising up. 
And so the emotions are rising up, but when we go up into our head, we're pushing them down. And that force with the pushing of, the, of them down and the rising up of the emotions, it's a real intense force that I believe is what anxiety is. And so as I'm trying to talk to people about this, I'm realizing that what we really need before we can move into these practices to feel our feelings is to start building enough self-awareness so that we become aware when we leave our bodies and go up into our heads. And so what I started offering people through my group coaching was a curriculum, essentially, was a self-care commitment to five daily self-care practices and accountability through community. And so the five daily self-care practices are a guided morning meditation, healthy eating and drinking half your body weight in water per day. And to me, healthy eating just means eating more food that comes from the earth. 30 minutes of exercise, moving your body, giving your body the ability to move toxins out of your body, to feel your, this rush of endorphins through the body, to feel a sense of accomplishment at the end of your workout, whether that's going for a walk, whether you're super able-bodied and you can lift weights or do yoga or not, and working out for you is laying on the floor and breathing. Um, the fourth commitment is a ritual that I call goddess time, whether you, no matter your gender, no matter your gender identification, uh, we experience so much stress every single day just as a result of being a human being, whether we're working, momming, dadding, looking for work, we're experiencing stress every day. And we tend to then take that day's stress into the evening with us. Uh, we bring it into the bed with us and then we bring it into tomorrow with us. We end up becoming these people who are walking around with decades of accumulated stress. And so goddess time is a ritual at the end of that day, somewhere around like four, five, six p.m. to get into the bath for 20 minutes. Or if you don't have a bathtub, put your feet up a wall and disconnect from your technology and give your body an opportunity to create some cellular organization to offload the stress of the day. And then the fifth commitment is trying to get eight hours of sleep. And what I then noticed was that 75 to 85% of the people who were applying for the group coaching couldn't afford the group coaching. And it broke my heart. So I was like, all right, I got to figure out a way to put this out for free. Money should never be the thing that gets in the way of people having the tools and the support that they need to take care of themselves, which is where the Sanctuary Challenge was born from. So the Sanctuary Challenge is a 60-day commitment to five daily self-care practices that I just mentioned. It's all about slowing down. Um, and so we've built out a, a, a platform, a website and a platform to give you not only the tools to connect you with community um, for accountability, and um, to help you learn more going deeper into each one of these practices. The big thing about the Sanctuary Challenge, or a big goal that we also have is to recognize that when we set these goals or whether we call them resolutions, that we are going to fall off the wagon. And so this isn't the kind of thing where we're like, we expect you to get 60 days done and all five daily practices complete. I actually say, I expect you not to be able to do this. I expect this, it's called the sanctuary challenge, not the sanctuary, this is going to be so easy. <laughs> what if instead we could change some of our language to, of course I miss my meditation. 
I've been living for 20, 30, 40, 50, 80 years in stress, in dis-ease, in panic, in worry, in doubt. Of course, I miss my meditation today. What happens if I try again tomorrow? So um, that's the challenge. It'll always be available. We launched January 1st. It's been really beautiful to see the many thousands of humans who are using it and creating community. We have these we have these options on the website. So one option is to invite your accountability crew, which just means I have five friends, family members, coworkers that I send the invite to, and we all get on a WhatsApp chain together and start our daily accountability with each other. There are a lot of people we noticed that don't feel like they have people in their life who would be interested in this kind of self-care and healing. So we have another tab on the website that says find a crew where they can put in their information. And every time six people put their information in, we then put that, we connect them via email. We assign a person to start their WhatsApp group chain. And I think as of today, we have like 150 groups of six people each that have never met each other. So cool. And I just imagine what a world would look like if our communities were rooted in how can I support you and how can you support me? to care more deeply for myself. And the last thing I want to say about this is we have a tendency as humans to wait, to believe that we're deserving of love and support when another person loves and supports us, right? It's like when, so if I'm going to be supported, it's going to be because one supports me or the world supports me. And while that's true and while that's important, in that we leave out the most important resource for our support and for our love, which is that I can also support myself and I can also love myself and I can also do kind things for myself. And the more I turn to supporting myself every day, the less room I have to believe that I'm not supported. It's mm, really good. Well done. Well said. You know, I know you put some great things out into the world, but why do you do it? Huh. Simple question there, Miles. Why do I do it? I do it because I have to. I do it for myself. I do it for my own healing. I do it because I need healing and love as much as we all do. And I've become, just because of the journey that I've been on, which I'm sure we'll get into, so incredibly aware of how much trauma I experienced that led to me believing that I'm alone, that I am too much, that I have too many needs, that I can only be loved when my body looks a certain way, when I have a certain number of dollars in my bank account, that I have to work really hard to prove myself so that I can be worthy of respect, admiration, safety. And once my mind blew open to realize how much in my mind I learned to hate myself, I had to do something about it. And through my spiritual life opening up to a recognition or a reminding of my mind of what my soul knew, which was actually, I'm so loved. That, that God, that life, that this universe is breathing me and feeding me and sustaining me and, and, and supporting me in every moment. And that I didn't 
have an awareness of that because I, I didn't learn it. I learned the opposite of it. And once my mind kind of, and my, and my heart blew open to this more spiritual radiant truth of how loved I am, but not just me, how loved every single being on this planet is, I thought, wow, golly, if I'm here, I am a white guy born in LA with a great education. I had all the means to be able to learn this and I didn't. And if I didn't learn it, how many other people in the world are living in this illusion of how separate we are, alone we are, and how many other people need to wake up to how loved and supported that we are and how, how much we can love and support each other. And so I thought, well, I'm going to quit the entertainment industry and, and make this my life's work. Call it selfish. I want to live in a world where we all know who we are. Mm. That's probably my biggest why. Ryan, I, I just appreciate you. I appreciate the heart you bring to your work. I appreciate what you bring to the world. I appreciate you being our friend and trusting what we do, but also just taking time not just to share about your story, but also share about some of your philosophy and your belief and hope of where we can all go, uh, you know, as humanity. And then this this incredible challenge uh, to help springboard and, and help us get there. So thank you for your time today. Ryan, just in closing, what is one thing that you do every day to try to stay centered and stay grounded? Mm. Well, right now, because of the challenge, I'm doing all five of those things that I mentioned. But I would say the most important one is at the end of a, of a stressful day, it's the turning off of all the devices and just being with myself. So mm -hmm. I literally will put my feet up a wall and just lay there for 20 minutes with no other priorities. Love it. I'm going to do that tonight. There you go. Well, listen, you, I, I want to say mirror back to you. There's not a day that doesn't go by where I don't speak to at least one person about the work that Onsite is doing about the ways that it's changed my life, about how vital and important it is. You know, I've been in this field now for quite a while, over a decade, and it's semi-rare that I come across a group of people who are so in it for the right reasons mm. and, and working at what I perceive to be the highest level of this healing work. Mm. And I know Miles, mainly because I know you so well personally, I know the toll that it takes on you. And I know the way that all the responsibilities and all the work that has to go on behind the scenes to serve people can claw at you. But then we still show up and experience being so loved and so held. And I really just see that what you're doing is so selfless and so generous. And uh, I just want to thank you. Wow, you're too kind. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for joining us for this conversation. If you want to hear more from OnSite, find us on social media at OnSite Workshops. You can also find me at Miles Adcox. When our emotional health is suffering, many of us begin to feel alone and overwhelmed. If you're in that place right now, we deeply encourage you to ask for help. If OnSite can support you in connecting the dots with one of our programs or other offerings, our admissions team would love to connect with you. Simply call 
3-2 or visit onsiteworkshops.com.